<clears throat> very, very excited, pumped up. Can um, I pray for you first? Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted people to know I'm fired up. You're fired up for this. Is He's really fired up for this prayer I'm about to give. Father, I just thank you for my buddy Rich and just uh, for the blessing that he is to so many people. And uh, we just uh, ask that this weekend you would speak through him. Just let him be your vessel. And we just pray uh, that you would just uh, guide his words and that you would open our ears to what you have to say through Rich. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Great. You. <clears throat> yep, I am fired up to be here. And um, privileged, thankful. Uh, Jody and I, my wife, who's here as well, we uh, were asked to speak many, many years ago. Can you believe it? Almost 20 years of Family Fest. 50 of these experiences. Mind-boggling. But anyways, we, we were asked to speak, and it, things went pretty well that weekend. Uh, but again, that's, that's about 19 years ago. And, uh, and we've never been invited back. <laughs> the interesting thing about that is Jody had been invited in those years three or four times, but I've never been invited back. <laughs> and the most interesting thing is Pete called me about three days ago and said, uh, all of our speakers have said no to us. Could, could you speak this weekend? <laughs> that might explain why I'm probably not as prepared as I should be. But I, I had a challenging week this week, and um, uh, I'm in a small group of guys, and a uh, couple small groups, and um, in um, one small group, we've had two guys die with a year, each other. A week ago Saturday, Brian Gray died of a brain tumor. We held his service yesterday, and I tell you that primarily because I might be inviting others into our group this weekend. <laughs> and you got to be dying to get out of my group. But it was a hard week and uh, a hard day yesterday. A lot of tears. Really love this guy. Especially love his family. And so I come here as much in need of hearing God's word and being ministered to by music and by you. So I come here as a co-equal I love the name I do not like the name Pastor. Last Sunday or Saturday, I conducted a funeral or a, a wedding the morning that Brian died. I got to the wedding. I looked at my name in the bulletin. It said, Paster. <laughs> P-A-S-T-E-R. I'm employed by the church. I, uh, I cut things out of magazines and <laughs> I make collages for a living. But I was so grateful not to be called pasture rich. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I, I had what I thought was the coolest soul patch uh, hanging down last Saturday. But I got so tired of hearing the name Colonel Sanders <laughs> that I, I literally said, I'm going to pop the next person who thinks that's a funny joke. <laughs> so I want you to know I've saved you this weekend from me popping you by the mere fact that I shaved this ugly, dangling, hanging thing from my chin. What's fascinating about that is Jody, my wife, did not like it whatsoever. Did not like it whatsoever. A number of times asked me to shave it off, knowing fully well just her asking me made me all the more rebellious. <laughs> but finally, I shaved it off on Super Bowl Sunday. 
uh, on Thursday night, she looked at me and said, oh, oh my gosh, you shaved your soul patch. Uh, Honey, when's the last time you looked at me? Uh, Because literally, I had shaved that thing almost a week before. Anyways, I, I just want you to know it is a privilege to be invited back, and I'm humbled and I'm grateful. I can't believe the history of this ministry and what it's done to impact people's lives. And even our own children came here as little, little munchkins and, and ended up being KCs. We're not even sure how many years we've been to this experience, whether it was the winter weekend or the summer weekend. And I'm just grateful, grateful to have this opportunity to be with you. This is a, a building ministry. It's about families and parents and individuals following Jesus. I, I think it's so cool that it's a place where we create memories, lasting memories, more than just pictures, but images on the souls of our lives as well as the souls of our kids. So I'm just fired up and I praise God for the vision. I praise God for the tenacity of the leadership, of peace leadership. I, I praise God that that. His story has been told here over and over, and it's been good news, not bad news, but really, really good news. So I, um, I'm grateful that lives have been forever impacted and transformed and changed by the good news of the gospel and by a powerful experience setting aside time in our busy lives to focus, uh, to slow down, to rid ourselves of hurried sickness. And just to be present to fun and to be present to God. So I I just pray your weekend, your weekend's holy. I pray your socks get blessed off. I I know it won't be because of anything I say. I can guarantee that. But I know that God will show up for each of us in a powerful way. And I'm really excited. One of the things about being uh, up front and a public face at times, and this is really hard for me and frustrating, but people will come up afterwards and say, hey, you look like so-and-so. Hey, you really look like so-and-so. Well, I've had a whole bunch of that happen. One guy said, your face looks like a basketball. Should, should be Voight written across your forehead. I had another guy come up to me one time and say, you remind me of this comedian. You look just like him, Sam Kennison. Obviously, one person knows who that guy is. <laughs> that guy grew up as a pastor's son. And I don't think he ever put a sentence together without the F-bomb. I didn't even know who he was. I went online, looked him up. I said, holy buckets, not only do I not look like that guy, but I don't talk at all like him. Unbelievable. I've had this over and over happen to me, but the one that was the most brutal and painful was this guy came up to me And he said, I look like Ron Jeremy. Oh, oh my gosh. That tells me something too. I didn't even know who the guy was. I had to Google him. He's a porn star. So please, please don't come up to me and tell me I look like somebody because it's really painful. That's why I shaved my soul patch. Okay, so... What, what, I want, what I want to look at this weekend is this whole idea of, I want to be like Jesus. You know, we, we had wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? But I, I want us to explore 
wanting to be like Jesus. And I'm going to talk about five or six attributes that I think are really, really important as we explore this idea of wanting to be like Jesus. And this morning I'm going to talk about, I want us to be like Jesus as inviters, inviting people. I'm going to talk about Jesus as an inviter, an inclusive inviter. And then I want to talk about our becoming inviters as well. Inviters to others who, who are far from God. Inviters inviting others into a relationship of getting to know us. So I want to talk about what it looks like to be inviters. It's, this evening I'm going to talk about Jesus as fearless and how we need to become more fearless. How we need to become reckless and abandon. We need to become reckless in our faith and fearless. I want to talk about humility and service. Uh, wanting to be like Jesus as humble and a servant, counter-cultural, counter-intuitive thoughts. Uh, I want to talk about what it means to be a gifted listener. Jesus was an amazing listener. He listened with his ears and his eyes and his heart. And so I want to look at listening this weekend. And also I want to look at this whole idea of encouragement and of gratitude. So just a short history about me and then I want to launch into a video. Grew up in North Minneapolis, large Roman Catholic family. There were eight children in our family. Went to St. John's Prep School with the intention of becoming a priest. Really felt called by God to be a priest. So I studied the prep school. I spent three months in the monastery after my experience in high school. And um, that was an amazing deal. It was, I didn't realize, but monasteries are really for introverts. And I'm pretty much of an extrovert. And uh, we ate all of our meals in silence. That was a challenge. I'm a big condiments guy. <laughs> I absolutely love salsa. And I love, I, I love you know, Tabasco. Oh, man, I, I could just eat Tabasco. I like it so much. It was always really hard, you know. <sighs> yeah, just, so anyways, I didn't do really good in the nonverbal side of communication. But so... I knew I wasn't being called to the monastery. I knew that for a lot of reasons. But I still felt like called by God to be a priest. So went on to school at St. John's University. Um, took a job as a youth pastor at a youth center in downtown St. Paul, the Catholic Youth Center. Did two years of youth ministry there. Another couple years of ministry. And in 1982, Jody, my wife, asked me to marry her. So that's a lie. But... <laughs> A bold-faced lie, but she did ask me on our first date, which was risky behavior on her part. So, But anyways, married in 82, we went off to school in Pasadena, California, five years of grad school together. Uh, we ended up having a theology degree and a marriage and family counseling degree. And I'm only telling you all this because I want you to get to know me a little bit, and I want to get to know you a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jody and I uh, became way overeducated. And ministry is not about being overpaid. But again, we felt this call on our lives, on our hearts, and in our marriage to serve God, serve God in ministry. So after that, we were picked up by this church, Christ Presbyterian, and we've been pastors there for 28 years. I'll tell you a little bit about our family in a little bit, but I want you to watch this video because this video is gonna set the stage for what I think we need to be talking about this weekend. And that is what it looks like to be like Jesus.
So just enjoy with me for just a couple of minutes the power of this video. of you have ever seen that video before? A few of you have. It's very powerful. I've seen it five or six times. Every time I see it, I keep going back to that phrase, do you know him? Do you know him? And if so, he is indescribable. He's all the things that you hear in that video. 
Well, that's foundational for me to our weekend. If that's who Jesus is, if he is the king of our lives, if he wants to be the one who, who we live ourselves after, if we want to be like Jesus, then, then I think he, he will really engage us in a deeper, deeper way. <clears throat> There's a story about a, a guy who went into an antique shop. He went into this antique shop. He looked around. It was cluttered, full of things. And, and he noticed <clears throat> right by the door, there was this vase, this bowl. And by looking at it, he could tell that it was very valuable. He, he could tell that it was actually from, it was an ancient piece of pottery. It came from the Ming Dynasty. And this guy said to himself, I'm going to get that dish. But he noticed in the dish there was cat food. <clears throat> and he saw a cat roaming around the store. But he thought, I, I'm going to come up with a scheme and a way to buy that face. And so he went up to the owner of the store and he said, hey, that's a beautiful cat that you have. He said, I, I must have her. She's beautiful. I, I must have her. Tell me, what, what would you take for her? Ah, she's not for sale. She takes care of all the mice in the store. She's not for sale. Listen, I'll, I'll give you $250 for her. The store owner said, well, you know, that's kind of funny. And, uh, and you really want her that badly, no problem. And then he said, but I'm going to need a, a dish, a bowl, something to contain the cat's food. I, I'd love to throw in an extra 25 bucks for, for that old crusty looking vase there. And the guy said to him, oh, no, I could never sell that because uh, that's an ancient piece. It's from the Ming Dynasty. It's it's worth millions of dollars. He said, it's worth more than everything in my store. It's priceless. It's a priceless gift beyond calculation. I could never sell that dish to you. But here's the cat. And the odd thing is, this is the 19th cat I've sold <laughs> since I've owned this antique store. Well, what I want you to know is that he's our king. And that to this king, you are priceless. You are a priceless gift. That you are priceless beyond calculation. Priceless beyond calculation. That you are so valuable. You are so valuable. That he died for you. That he's forgiven you. That he gives his life for you that he redeems you and calls you by name and you are his. And he promises that he will walk with us through the challenges of life, through the storms, through the fires. We won't get burned, we won't drown because he goes with us through life. Knows our name, we're priceless. We're valuable beyond words. And then he says he does that all, walks through life with us because we're honored and he loves us. You're priceless. You're honored and you're loved. He's the king of all. And you are his precious Ming vase beyond calculation. 
And if all of that is true, which I believe it is, then you need to give me an amen right now. Amen. Good. Okay, we're going to talk about Jesus the inviter this morning. Jesus the inviter. Quickly before we do that, I failed to introduce our family to you. And so I just want to show you a quick slide of our family. Uh, this is our family. It was, it is, and it might not be. Is it there, Joe? Okay. Um, no, negatory? It's coming. I, I kind of threw them off a little bit. But anyways, this is a picture of our family. Our daughter, Kirsty on the left. Jesse, the body there with a twin's hat. That's Jody in the middle. Another hairy guy. Josh, our oldest, and his fiance at this time, Stephanie. That gives you an image of our family. And then this is one more image of our family that I want to show you. And um, we'll get to that one too. But uh, hair is an issue in the family. Oh, here we go. So here's, here's another picture of the family. The same characters there are there except for Graham, Joyce in the middle. You can see the soul patch, the Colonel Sanders lookalike. And then this guy next to Jesse, in between Jesse and Graham, he's our Swedish boy, Herman. Uh, he came and lived with us for a year, and he's been back about four times. So I, I most of all wanted you to see a picture of our family, but also a picture of Herman because I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. So Herman's been with us. He was actually a, a co-best man in Josh's wedding. And uh, Herman's our Swedish son, and we're hoping to maybe go visit his family uh, sometime soon. Okay, so now there's the context. Jesus the inviter. Jesus was an invitational king. Been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He's tempted by Satan three times in the desert, fasting for 40 days. Satan tempts him with food. Satan tempts him with the power of God by protecting him if he jumped down from this temple. And Satan tempted Jesus a third time by trying to give him all the power and prestige that Satan wanted him to have, which he already had. But it was with his dependence on the Father. It was with the fact that he knew Deuteronomy, he knew the Pentateuch, that he fought Satan back. So that sets the context for the text for today. Jesus begins his public ministry after this. He begins to preach. His first sermon is in Matthew 5. It's called the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. The first text that Jesus preaches. But right before that, Jesus does this. He invites. In Matthew 4, 18 through 28, this is what happens. So again, the context, Jesus just tempted. He's going to begin his ministry. Matthew 4. <clears throat> As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Here's the invitation. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, as he's being followed by Simon Peter and his brother, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee Sr., preparing their nets. 
And Jesus once again invites them. He calls them. And immediately they leave their boats and their families and they follow him. The very beginning of his public ministry, Jesus starts out by inviting. He makes the invitation to Simon and to John and to James to come and see, to follow him. An invitation. An invitation to come and see. So that Jesus could show that he really was who he would begin to teach and tell that he was. An invitation to prove himself, to show signs and wonders. But most of all, most of all, he invites them. He invites them into a transforming relationship with him for three years. Years of teaching them, years of building community with them. The invitation that Jesus gives all throughout the Gospels is both a spoken invitation and an unspoken invitation. But many who listened, many who listened, experienced the power of the invitation. The invitation to follow, to come and see, to see if he truly was who he said he was. Now this weekend, we're invited. We're invited to explore. And we're invited to grow and to receive the invitation of God. The invitation of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ, the inviter. Now, I'm not sure because I don't know many of you whether or not you've experienced invitation and whether or not you've responded to the invitation. But God so desperately wants to invite us. He wants to invite himself into our lives because if we haven't said yes to that invitation, there's something missing. There's a hole in our heart and a hole in our gut and a hole in our life. And so I assume that most of us have received that invitation and responded to it. But I just want to remind you, if you haven't, this is a, an opportunity this weekend possibly to respond, to say yes. To say, I would like to be a follower. I'm not exactly sure how to do that. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doubts. But the invitation is there for each of us. An invitation to experience that redeeming love. In the front hallway of our house in North Minneapolis, there's a famous picture. Uh, next to that picture was this crucifix. And I don't know if anybody else had a crucifix like this in their house, but it was an espionage secret service crucifix. Because if you pushed away the top of this crucifix, pulled it off the, the wall, a crucifix is a, a cross with Jesus on the cross. But if you pull that down from the wall and slid the top of it off, you'd be amazed what you found in the inside. You found two little candle holders, two candles, a little piece of cloth called a scapular, and then some anointing oil. This was in case somebody in the household was near death or dying. And the priest could come and he could perform one of the last sacraments, the sacrament of divine unction. Anybody else have that in their house? All right, good. I don't stand alone here. Right next to that crucifix, which I played with, I pretended to be a priest with, right next to that was this picture. Coolest picture, a lot of detail. 
picture of Jesus standing in front of a door, big door, ornate carved door. Behind the door is a man standing. Behind the man is a playground and children playing and all kinds of things happening behind the man at the door. And if you look close, you see that on the side of the door, the outside of the door where Jesus is standing, there's, there isn't a handle. There's no handle. And if you notice on the inside of the door, which is just cracked very little, there's a handle on the man's side. And I loved to look at that picture as a kid growing up. And underneath the picture was the caption, here I stand at the door, knocking. And if you invite me in, I will have fellowship with you. Jesus stands at the door of our lives, stands at the door of our hearts knocking. The handle's on our side. The great inviter is desperate to be a part of our lives, to be a part of our world, to be a part of our children, to be a part of who we are. And so the invitation is there for all of us. The great inviter says, I want to make your heart my home. So the question is, have we responded? Have we responded to the invitation to follow Jesus? See, we're all lost. We're all broken. We're all lonely. We're afraid. We are people consumed in the hurried pace of life. And whether we've invited Jesus once or we need to invite him again this weekend to be a part of our lives, I invite you to do that. To be invited into this grace-filled, loving relationship. A relationship where it's been done for us. It's not about what we have failed to do. It's not about how good we are or bad we are. As my colleague James would say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done for us. It's all about what he does for us and will do for us. See, it's not about right religious behavior. It's not about rituals. It's not about working to win God's love for us. It is simply opening the door of our heart and our lives. Not just once, but over and over and over again. I tend to tell people that my life took on three different forms. I had this experience growing up in a home and in my faith that I called the BC days. See, I grew up in kind of an alcoholic family and it was pretty shame-based family and it was all about performance and, and trying to measure up to the expectations. And I felt like I could never measure up. And so I projected all of that onto God. And I felt as though I had to win God's love and his favor. So what I did is I did everything I could to win God's love. I became an altar boy. I was always at mass early. I, I, I did everything I could. I prayed every night. I prayed every morning. But I never felt like I measured up to God. I felt like he's always disappointed with me. So what happened was that, that was my experience of before Christ. I didn't really understand this story, this invitational story of Jesus. Senior in high school, graduate, hitchhike out to California. As I'm hitching out to California, stop in Estes Park, open up my good news for modern man, and I read the Gospels. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Transforms my life. Never really knew the story of Jesus. 
I, I knew the story of God, but I remember God was a lot like my father, disappointed with me, trying to win his favorite love. So my BC days were all before Christ. Then I had this experience where I wanted to be all about Christ, my AC days. And in my AC days, I became a flaming evangelist. And I, I really approached people with this concept that, that I'm responsible for your, for your mortality and for your redemption. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force feed Jesus to you. I'm going to do everything I can to sell you on Jesus. Because, because if you stand before a judge, will there be enough evidence to prove that you're a follower of Jesus? So I, I just, I, all I did was talk about Jesus. I, I said, do you know Jesus? And if not, let's, let's pray the prayer. And, and you know, these are the four rules that you have to follow. And I just became a wacko is what I did. Because <laughs> I was all about Christ, all about Christ. And a little later on in my journey, I became what I called IC. I became all about being in Christ. I embraced, I embraced that grace and that love for me. And it was an amazing, and has been an amazing time for me. Because you know what's changed? I used to think that I was responsible to bring people to Jesus. But you know what I've learned? I'm responsible to bring Jesus to people. You hear the subtle difference? I don't feel responsible to bring you to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to probably be a lot of other people if you, if you haven't accepted that invitation. But I am responsible to bring Jesus to you. I'm responsible to try to look more like Jesus in my life. And that's freed me up. It's freed me up. I'm no longer responsible for other people's salvation. I, I want them to know about Jesus, but it's not about me. I can't close the deal. I might be one small link in the chain. I, I might cast a few seeds, but I'm not the one who grows the seed that's been planted. I, I can just throw them. Freed me up. No longer being responsible to, to bring people to Jesus, but Jesus to people. So this invitational Jesus, there's, it's an amazing, amazing invitation. Pete, what, I forget what time we're closing. Five minutes? Okay. I'm gonna start bringing it home then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So um, let, me, let me just share with you now another text where Jesus is making the invitation. And this invitation is to Martha. There's a story about Lazarus, many of us know. That's the guy who died, spends four days in the tomb. And um, what, I just want to replay just a snippet of the conversation that Jesus has with Martha. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were considered intimate friends with Jesus. The text says that they were the disciples that Jesus loved. He loved many disciples. But it's a very close, intimate relationship with these two sisters and brother. Lazarus has died, four days later he's in the tomb, and Jesus comes, and here's the conversation in John 11. Jesus said to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives in, believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus makes this invitation. And she responds to the invitation by saying, yes, Lord, I believe. 
I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's come into the world. Martha's response is a response that Jesus desires from us. Yes, I believe that you truly are the Christ, that you are the one that has come into the world. See, when we realize that we've been invited to receive this gift, and it's not based on our worthiness and our behavior, but it's about what Jesus has done for us on a cross and an empty tomb, it's hard to turn down the invitation. But I believe that if we've received that invitation, then we have to become inviters ourselves. We have to be willing to extend the invitation with courage. We have to be willing to see those without Jesus as in desperate need of his forgiveness and his love and his grace. So back to the picture of Herman. Herman came to live with us for a year. It was an amazing experience. Herman came as a young Swedish guy, about 18 years old. And Herman was nominal at best. And we weren't even certain if Herman knew who Jesus was. But through this opportunity of getting to know him, eight years ago, Herman opened himself up in a much deeper way. He got to the point of where he, he loved going to church and he loved being a part of our growth as a family. But what I discovered is that when we receive the invitation and we become inviters and inviters ourselves, it's a radical response to invite others. It was a radical thing because everybody at this time in our life said you'd be absolutely insane as a family to invite somebody to live with you for a year. I mean, we, it just didn't make sense. We had three teenagers, uh, two in middle school or two in high school and one in middle school. All of our friends counsel us said, don't do that. That's absolutely insane. But I want to tell you that when we invite others into places in our lives, I've discovered it changes us. And we're impacted much, much more than the people we invite. One other quick story, and then I'm going to bring us all the way home. This past Christmas Eve, I'm involved in the afternoon services, and it's a five o'clock service. Before the service, I get called over by Heather, a uh, music minister on our staff, to meet this family that's here for Christmas from Holland. I'm thinking of all the places, the Mall of America, Minnesota, for Christmas. I don't care where you're from. That's not my idea of Christmas. Family's sitting there. I introduce myself. Father Pierre, he's from France, grew up in France. Lily, mom, she grew up in Chile. Three beautiful little girls. Constancy, she's about 12. And uh, Anais is about seven. And Valentina is about four. And got to talking to them. And it was just a cool deal. And the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to say to them, hey, you want to experience Christmas Day with some crazy Americans? We already had 25 folks coming to the house. <laughs> Jody and I have been married long enough that I don't even need to ask anymore. They said they'd love to. So we invited these people to our house and to our table. It was the most amazing Christmas ever. Let me show you just a couple quick pictures of this family. But anyways, it, it, it impacted us more than it could have ever impacted this family. And I don't know if I gave Joe the pictures or not, so maybe I didn't. So anyways, I would love to show you this family, but, but this family, in, there they are. So Pierre on the left, uh, Lily in the middle, 
That's Anais in the middle and Constancy there. I have one more shot of the family, I think. And there they are, the three girls. We received that picture um, just a few days ago and this note from Lily. Dear Jody and Rich, dear Joshua, Joshua, Stephanie, Jesse, and Kirsty, greetings from Holland. You have made from our vacation a really special and American Christmas. We're so grateful for all that you have done for us and toward God who allowed our families to meet. Blessings from, for the whole year in 2016. Looking forward to meeting you again, Pierre, Lily, Constancy, Anais, and Valentina. Amazing. We've been invited to invite others. And I want to encourage you to be radical in your response to the invitation. I want to encourage you to invite people into your children's lives. I want to encourage you and challenge you to invite people into your home around the table. Jesus spent a lot of time inviting himself to meals around tables. Invite people. We had a Sunday night tradition that the table was open and the kids could invite anybody they want. And I want to tell you, we had some fun and memorable Sunday night table experiences. Invite people into a relationship of getting to know you. And then you will be bringing Jesus to them. And if you bring Jesus to them, then maybe they'll receive the invitation as well. So be, be radical. Be, be a barbarian. Invite other people if you've received the invitation. And if you haven't received the invitation, please, please consider this grace and love. See, inviting is not about winning God's grace and favor. We've already received it. It's just about inviting others into that grace. So be an inviter or receive the invitation. Let's pray. Awesome and holy God, I thank you for the gift of this weekend and these people. I thank you for the fact that you have invited us into a life-changing relationship. And I thank you. I thank you that you, that you want us to become radical in our response to you and invite others. I pray that you'll help us to do that. Thank you. Thank you for the very, very personal invitation you give to each of us to know your saving grace and love. Thank you. Thank you for being our king, for being our Lord. Help us to believe and trust you. Help us to take courage to invite others to know you through our relationship with them. In your holy name I pray, amen.